Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and we're coming to you live from the RVN Television Studios. Welcome back to the show that digs deeper to understand what really matters most in business. And today we're going to be talking about strategic creativity with my guest, Robin Landa. Robin, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thank you so much, Dave. Honored to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. So, Robin, you've got a couple of nifty monikers here. Um, you've been referred to as the greatest teacher of our time. Uh, you're also referred to as the creativity guru, and your uh, day job title, so to speak, is distinguished professor at Kane University. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your background and how you earned the titles of creativity guru and greatest teacher of our time? Thanks so much for asking and for the lovely intro. Uh, yes, I'm a distinguished professor at Kane University in the Michael Graves College. And my background is varied, and that could con that probably contributes to my understanding of creativity. I have a background in, in graphic design, advertising art direction and concepts, painting, drawing. So all of that, and, and marketing as well. So all of that contributes to really understanding the full spectrum of how, how people manifest their creative thinking and why it's important to be a creative thinker. Yeah, and today we're going to talk about bringing that creativity into the business world. And before we jump into the conversation, I just want to call out one more thing here, and uh, that is that you've authored more than 20 books already. Yes, I have. It's uh, around 25 with two more going into production. I'm, uh, I've just co-authored a book for Columbia University Press called Shareworthy, Storytelling for Advertising. I've co-authored that with Greg Braun, who's a retired global chief creative officer of a major ad, ad agency in Detroit. Gotcha. So, I mean, I authored two books. I don't know. I can't even imagine doing 25. So congratulations to you for that. Um, that, that's quite an achievement. But I think we're going to be talking about uh, two books in particular here today. One is The, the New Art of Ideas, which is the background that I'm seeing uh, behind you, and the other one is Strategic Creativity. So in the, this conversation, the goal here is to un unleash some of the tips and ideas and uh, the, the mind share that you have and how creativity can be brought into and utilized well in the business setting. So let, let's start off by talking about the new art of ideas and leading it off with idea generation. And I, I believe your perspective there is that idea generation or ideation is more than just brainstorming. Absolutely, yes. Uh, the several frameworks for idea generation come out of early to mid 20th century. And there really hasn't been a new significant one since Alex Osborne introduced brainstorming in the mid-20th century. Alex Osborne was an advertising executive. And there are several issues with brainstorming. I just wrote an article for CEO World about the issues involved. The, the main problem in brainstorming is that when it's done in a group, and that's how he conceived it, is that you have to throw out a fully formed idea or a partially formed idea. But the, it, the question is, how do you form the idea? And the same thing is, is true in the other frameworks where the first stage is 
preparation, which is what we call research. Then there's incubation, which we always have to do in terms of allowing your research to incubate in your subconscious or unconscious mind. And then the third phase in these other frameworks is called illumination, where the idea is supposed to pop into your head the way, or out of your head the way Athena popped out of Zeus's head. But again, it's a black box, that stage of illumination, and it's a black box in brainstorming, meaning how do you actually form the idea? So if you've got a group of people in a room and the, they're brought there for this the idea of brainstorming, if you are facilitating that conversation, where would you actually start that conversation before you started to have folks spitball ideas at you? Um, I don't use brainstorming at all anymore. Okay. Uh, my students find it very frustrating and so do my clients. And so I've created my own framework, which I call the three G's, and that's comprised of goal, gap, and gain. <clears throat> and so we would talk, of course, there'd have to be some research, but we talk about what's the goal, what do we want to achieve, what's the gap, what's missing, and the gap can be any number of things. It can be a system, a method of production, uh, a toxic-free method, an underserved audience. So the gap can be, is really a void that our idea should fill. And then the gain is what really makes my framework uh, one where it becomes a worthwhile idea because you have to determine if there's a benefit for people, creatures, or the planet uh, of course, for business, but I always believe in the triple bottom line. Yeah, and that's probably a good segue when you talk about triple bottom line. I know that uh, one of the key components in uh, your approach here to idea generation also uh, speaks to the issue of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Can, can you connect some of those dots for us? Yes, I really think that diversity, equity, and inclusion is the X factor when it comes to idea generation because you always want to avoid groupthink. That's number one. That can be very dangerous. <clears throat> and you always want to seek multiple perspectives. That is, get as many different people in a room as possible or outside of a room to do further research to find out what people think. And it, it really has to be multiple because you're going to widen your lens. You're really going to think about the needs of many more people and always have an inclusive, diverse group. And even beyond that, which is really interesting, when I interviewed Harsh Kapadia, who's the uh, creative chairman of MRM in New York, he said he was born in India. And he always tries to hire people from different countries because he believes that they bring different problem-solving techniques to the table as well. So I really think it's, it's crucial to have a diverse, uh, diverse perspectives to widen your lens. Yeah, and can we unpack the three Gs just a little bit and just go a little bit deeper below the surface there? I, I think the, the goal aspect probably is intuitive, and, and maybe the gain is even as well, but maybe focus on the gap just for a minute, if you don't mind, Robin. Help us understand that. Sure. Uh, the gap originates from two things. One is from my research in academia. So if you have any academics listening, they'll know that when you start a project, you start to do your research, you do what's called a literature search, where you're looking to see what's been researched, what's been written. 
And most of us are looking for a void. What's not been researched? What's not been written about? What's not been addressed that can move a discipline forward? And in advertising and in branding, you're always looking for a gap as well. What position isn't filled in the marketplace? What position in the consumer's mind hasn't been filled? How can you differentiate your brand, product, service, organization, social cause? And so the gap is really what helps people aim for something that, that could potentially be innovative, but it also can be a crack in, in the development and research of brands, products, services. It can certainly be an underserved population or an ignored population. If we're talking about science, it, it can be uh, research that's really not been funded, um, that if, so for example, tropical diseases are not really well funded. Um, you can address the, in, the chronic crises of the world, whether it, it's uh, food insecurity, poverty, people without homes. Uh, is there a, a, a sustainable method? Is there a new system of delivery? Is there a new way to transport cargo? Um, for example, there's an, a company that's now trying to not only put things into space, but, trans but store them in space and then bring cargo back. So there's always a crack, there's always a void that an idea can fill. Hey Robin, for the audience watching and listening, if they want to either get your books or learn more about you or work with you, what's the best way to connect? I'm on LinkedIn. My website is robinlanda.com. I'm on every social media platform, so please, please connect. Great. Robin, we only have a couple of minutes here before we got to take a commercial break. And I, I didn't want to be dismissive about the goal and the gain component by referring to them as being intuitive here. So maybe like in, in three minutes or so, can you maybe just unpack each of those a little bit more just to clarify for folks what we're really trying to achieve in each of those? Sure. The goal is, as you said, it's intuitive. It's what you want to achieve. And in advertising and in marketing, often the goal is set for you. Often we have preset goals. Um, and people think that the goal is the idea, but it's not. It's, it's one entry point. And the beauty of the three G's is that you don't have to start with a goal. You can start with a gap. You can start with something that you've noticed, with a pain point, with something that's missing. And often people who are entrepreneurs set their own goals. It's not a preset goal from a boss or a company or an organization. And, and that can happen in a variety of ways. The, the game to me is very important because that's what makes the idea worthwhile. In other ideation frameworks, there is evaluation, but you're not always thinking about how does this benefit individuals, society, creatures, or the planet. So I, I really believe that we have to think at, at this point, we're at an inflection point, we have to think about the impact any idea has on the world. Yeah, and that's a great spot to take a quick pause. Robin, sit tight. Uh, for you watching and listening, don't go anywhere. We'll be uh, right back after this quick break on Behind the Numbers. Hi, I'm Bob Hokertle from Kings Road Brewing Company. I'm here to tell you about a brand new show on RVN television called Cooking with the King. Each week, we're going to taste and sample some of the best beer the Kings Road Brewing Company has to offer. And we're going to talk to area chefs and restaurant owners as we pair our beer with their signature dishes. We're going to teach you how to cook and eat like a king. Cheers. 
A stroke can be easy to detect. A loved one can't speak, perhaps they can't move. But there's another sign of a stroke that many of us can't see. It's called spatial neglect, and it can occur during or after a stroke causing distorted visual movements. Fortunately, there's a solution by using optical prism technology during rehabilitation. If you or a loved one have experienced a stroke, ask your doctor about spatial neglect. Spatial neglect. See the whole picture at KesslerFoundation.org. Are you burned out, disenfranchised, disengaged, extremely distracted? Do you feel that you're lost in semantics, over-leveraged, overwhelmed? My name is Lisa Fratelli. And I have a show on RVN-TV, always streaming. The name of the show is The Neuroscience of Wealth and Well-Being. The intention of this show is to explain how you can get back to homeostasis, flow states, creativity. It's highly correlated with happiness and well-being. So you can get out of overwhelm, get out of burnout, not feel distracted and get back to your life. You will hear from experts who will get you back on track so you can enjoy your life again. RVN TV, we're always streaming. Are you part of... Hey everyone, welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder and we are talking about strategic creativity today with author Robin Landa. Robin, welcome back to Behind the Numbers for round two. Great conversation in the first segment. And I wanna move now to the second book that I mentioned at the opening called Strategic Creativity, which is really the topic of the whole program, right? Um, let's talk a little bit about that book and, and what will folks learn from reading that book? Strategic Creativity is important because in most MBA programs, there's a void. Um, people don't really learn about the creative side of the industry. And there's a myth about creativity, which is that it, it, it's this gold, it comes from this golden nugget of genius. And in advertising, marketing, branding, design, creativity has to be strategic because you're aiming at target audiences. It's not the same creativity that painters or musicians or, or, or sculptors utilize. And so it's very important that people understand what makes good creative solutions. Yeah, so in that whole idea of creative um, solutions, where does storytelling fit in? We've had a number of guests on the program here in the, uh, the branding and marketing space who talk about the power of storytelling. People remember things because of stories. I, we, we all love to tell stories. We sit around campfires and listen to stories. Stories are as old as time, and there are all kinds of um, archetypes for storytelling. But storytelling in branding and in advertising and in design has to start with uh, a north star uh, or a lodestar, a Polaris star, something that guides your story because a brand needs to have a story. It has to have a background story. It could be the founder's story, but it has to. The story is based on the origin, the values, and the mission of the company. And all of the smaller stories, right, that are that touch people's lives in in branding and in advertising, whether it's a commercial or an Instagram post, 
have to fall under the umbrella of that larger story. But storytelling is, is how we remember things, because if you just tell someone a fact, it doesn't hit them emotionally. Storytelling hits people emotionally, and they'll, they'll, it's easier to remember a story. Yeah, for sure. Is, is there a difference then between the brand story and the brand narrative, or are they one and the same? I think it's the same. I mean, people use the word narrative in different ways now where we're going to change the narrative, we're going to alter the narrative. And so the narrative becomes the front facing story. But there is this larger story um, that brands are now very conscious of having uh, an Uber story, if you will, a larger story. But they also now have manifestos that started uh, in the 20th mid late 20th century with uh, a manifesto that was written for an emotional level, and it was in-facing, it was um, inter-company. Now manifestos face outward as well to the stakeholders, and it's really about the emotional level of that story. So I, I, would, I think it's the same, but people use the word narrative in different ways now. Got it. And then when we think about a brand and introducing graphic design, what are some of the important things to think about in properly representing that brand? Uh, the original title that I proposed to Rutledge for strategic creativity was Kill the Pedestrian. Huh. <laughs> and uh, my editor thought it was a, a fun title, but uh, because of the obvious issues, uh, especially if they were going to publish it in India where there's a terrible incident of, of pedestrians being hurt. So the, the point is that you always want to kill pedestrian ideas. You don't want to do anything that looks like everybody else. And that, that seems to be something that people do all the time because it feels comfortable, it's worked for other people, it, it works for the competition, so it's going to work for us. And so you always want to make sure that not only that your design is aesthetically pleasing and has impact, but that it differentiates you, that no one's going to confuse you with others. Yeah, and, and some of the nuance of that, when you talk about graphic design, you know, part of it in my head speaks to like corporate logos, for example. And in some professions, when you look at logos and the designs, they are pretty pedestrian. And the only thing that really I'd say defines the brand is maybe the color of the letter of their first initials and things like that. Um, what, what's your, your comment to those types of uh, organizations? Yeah, I mean, they're not doing themselves any favor because what happens when you look like others is that people default to the one they know or to the, the first of the category. And I, I think that, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, I can get a, a logo for $99 or, or for even less these days, or I can have uh, AI generate it. You're missing the point of, of owning, owning a look, owning a feel, owning a typeface. Typefaces can be designed for you. They can be proprietary. And you're dismissing the real skills of graphic designers, which is to create something that does have impact and is memorable and works across media because it has to now work not only on letterhead, but on the side of a building, on Instagram, on Twitter. It, it has to work across media. Yeah, fun story. Uh, earlier in my career, I worked in an organization where they did a whole brand overhaul and were very careful and meticulous about the design and the colors and the fonts. And uh, when you actually went to print a memorandum using their font and their color, you could not read the words. <laughs> it looked good on the screen, though. Uh, 
Anyway, uh, Robin. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. In in this book, once again, you in the spirit of triple bottom line, you talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion again. I do, because I'm a major advocate of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think you always want to think about how your audience receives the message. You always want to be respectful of your audience. I have written a social justice or cultural justice treatise on all the questions that not only a designer or an art director or a copywriter should ask, but that the client should ask in terms of how it will affect people. Um, you never want to minoritize, you never want to talk down, you always want to lift people up. And in order to do so, you have to have, everybody has to have a seat at that table, whether it's somebody with limited mobility or somebody from a different group of people who normally are excluded. Um, you know, if you think about advertising, there's so few black people who are executive creative directors or global chief creative directors and and women there's still a bit of a glass ceiling and it, so we really really have to think about how we include people not only in front of the camera but behind the camera well said uh robin i just got the uh, the high sign here that we're coming down to the end of the program here it goes very very quickly we only have a few minutes to go but i want to try and sneak in as much as i can and I, I want to ask you to share with the audience, if you would, how can we all learn to be more creative? There are so many ways to do it. One thing I would tell you is to be chronically curious. Uh, you know, you think about somebody like Lin-Manuel Miranda, who after creating In the Heights and it was about to go to Broadway, he needed to take a vacation. <clears throat> and rather than selecting a typical beach read, he picked the biography of Alexander Hamilton. Had he not been curious about early American history, we wouldn't have one of the greatest musicals of our time, Hamilton, where not only was it inspirational, but he really changed the genre of Broadway. And so being curious, not just about your own discipline, but about other disciplines, really makes you a more creative person. Yeah, and the last thing that I want to sneak in here for you, and I think it probably... Uh, is self-explanatory, but in the spirit of giving you the last word uh, in about 60 or 90 seconds, and let you just literally connect the dots for the audience and help us to understand the value of creativity in the business world. It, it's extraordinarily important if you think about innovation. That innovation is so valued, but you can't innovate, which means that it's something entirely new unless you think creatively. And to think creatively, you have to be curious, you have to be a good observer, you have to learn how to generate good ideas, not just any old idea. And if you're not generating good ideas, it's probably not you, it's probably the framework you're using. So think about changing up your framework. Gotcha. Robin, thank you so much for joining us today. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. We've been talking about strategic creativity with author Robin Landa. Do check out her books. You've got 25 to choose from, so a lot to read there and a lot to learn. Uh, once again, my name is Dave Bookbinder. You can find me on LinkedIn, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. So feel free to reach out. Always happy to have a conversation. 
And a couple of thank yous here before we go. Thanks to the production crew here for their great work on this show. And thank you, of course, to the audience for watching and listening. We can't do this show without you. Please hit the subscribe button to stay in contact with us. We drop these episodes every week. And that's all we have for today. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.